Okay, good evening everybody. Okay, um, so uh, two Shilas this week, and uh, you let me know which one you'd like to speak about. One I got uh, over Yantif, and one I just got uh, last night. So Shaila number one is as follows. There's a woman uh, in uh, the community in North Woodmere who does not dive into my shul, but, um, you know, her husband dives into my shul sometimes, not, not so often. Um, but uh, this is the second time they're reaching out to me with the Shaila, and that's important to the, uh, to the actual case. Um, the case was as follows. She is very interested in becoming a kidney donor. She would like to save a person's life. So she got swabbed at an, at an event, um, you know, to see if she could be a match for somebody. And uh, Renewal, the organization that uh, does kidney donations, called her back and said, you are, in fact, a match for a one-year-old child. Now, that is very rare. Normally, you get a call back, you're told that you're a match for uh, a 75-year-old man or something like that, right? She was told one-year-old child that, she is, uh, that she's a match for. And that made her very excited that she'd be able to save the life, especially of such a young, uh, young child, young from child. And, uh, and, and then she, uh, she has five children already, this woman, and uh, she's not sure that she and her husband aren't going to have more children. Um, she's not sure that they are going to have more children. They haven't, uh, they haven't figured that part out yet. Um, but uh, she called me up and asked me um, if, uh, you know, if I could put her in touch with, uh, with a, a gadol that she can get a bracha from because she was a little nervous about the whole, the whole thing. So she uh, so we put her in touch with Rav Asher Weiss. And Rav Asher Weiss, you know, gave her a bracha but said, you know, um, if, uh, I mean, she said to him, I, I, I don't... I, I know that um, that pregnancies could be slightly higher risk if you only have one kidney, um, and I don't know if I'm going to have more children. Um, so uh, you know, is there should that be any source of hesitation? She said, I already spoke to people who had children after donating a kidney. I spoke to people. I spoke to a woman who had triplets after donating a kidney. So, uh, but but uh, but but you know, should I just be concerned about that? And Rav Asherweiss said, I'm not going to give you medical advice. You need to speak to your doctor. But if your doctor says it's okay, I think it's a very great mitzvah. So she called her doctor, and her doctor said, why would you do this? You don't need to do this. Let someone else save the kid's life. If if you're even thinking about having a child, why would you uh, put yourself at at higher risk? And he he really uh, discouraged her. So then she called him back, and she wanted to know, is she allowed to still go through with this, even though the doctor discouraged it? Should she go through with this? Um, if uh, Basically, the choice is, here is an actual living child that needs a kidney and that might you know, die without one, uh, or the possibility of a slightly higher risk, uh, risk in the pregnancy if, uh, if she has her own child. So what, should, what is the right thing to do in that case? That is Shaila number one. Shaila number two, I got yesterday from an old Talmud of mine, and he, he said to me, it was a voice note, but I'll, I, I typed it up, I'll read it to you. Um, I just went on a tuna fishing trip, um, meaning it doesn't mean they eat tuna sandwiches on the boat, it means they're fishing for tuna, and, uh, and one of my friends caught a big tuna for the first time. He even sent me a picture to prove it. Oh no, that's not it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, big tuna, right? Meaning, see that? Okay, I didn't even know that's what a tuna looks like, but it's a big tuna. Okay, one can see there on the zoom. Um, the friend caught a, a big, big, giant tuna for the first time, and apparently this was a big deal. Like this, uh, 
um, clearly not Jewish fellow on the boat with them. He looks like an offensive lineman. That's how you know he's not Jewish, <laughs> right? Um, this fellow that was on the boat with them uh, said that you should know that it is minaka um, olam. I don't think that those were his words exactly, but he said the minaka olam is that when you catch your first big tuna or your first tuna, you're supposed to eat the heart of the fish. And the guy's like, oh, okay. So, uh, so the uh, the offensive lineman uh, cut the the head of the fish off. He stuck his hand in, he pulled out the heart, and he said, here, eat it. And uh, the, guy, the guy turned to uh, his friend, and he's like, is this mutter? And his friend said, I don't know, but fish don't need shechita, and they don't need malicha, so I don't see what the issue would be. So uh, he's like, so he ate it, and I just want to know, did I tell him to do something wrong, and is that an avera of any sort? Okay, so that is Shaila number two. So Shaila number one, uh, saving a... They, they both have to do with organs, right? One, one a kidney, one a heart. So Shaila number one is uh, the case of the, uh, the kidney versus... Uh, being a kidney donor versus an elevated risk in pregnancy. Shaila number two, uh, eating the tuna's heart out. Um, so uh, so those are the... Those are the shailas. So all those who start with the people in the room, all those who prefer shaila number one with the kidney versus the child. Okay, I mean that versus all those who shaila number two eating the tuna sarda. <laughs> okay, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, let's see what the uh, what the what the zoom. Um, that, yeah, that's not going to be temen alacha. That's. I don't know why I'm not able to. On my phone, maybe I'm gonna say, maybe if I flip it this way. All right, but I think I think it was pretty clear in uh, right here, chat. One, two, 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 two. two. Okay, so wow, that's it. They want two, but over here in the room, apparently people wanted one. Okay, so sorry, Zoomers. Um, there are more people in the room, so um, okay, so we'll we'll all right. All right, we'll have to save that year for a different time. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, <laughs> so let's uh, so, so let's get let's get working on the uh, on the woman with the uh, with the kidney donation. So why did I mention that she's um, that this is not the first time she called me with the Shaila? This is actually the second time she called me with the Shaila. The first time she called me with the Shaila was like uh, probably like five years ago, maybe less. Um, yeah, no, probably like five years ago. It was summertime, and she had the following shaila. She uh, she had been determined to be a bone marrow match for somebody. She had gotten swabbed for bone marrow, and she was a bone marrow match for somebody through the Gift of Life Registry. Now, the timing of the procedure when you do bone marrow uh, donation is critical because what they do is they wipe out the recipient's immune system because they're basically implanting a new immune system in the uh, recipient. So they completely wipe out the recipient's immune system. If, like, like, let's say, for example, at that time, you were to decide after they wipe it, like last minute, you were to decide, you know what, I'm not going to give bone marrow. Um, that would, that's the equivalent of murdering the recipient. Meaning at that point, they, the recipient catches a common cold, they're going to die. Meaning you, you've, wi- you've wiped out the recipient's 
immune system. They don't have the ability to fight off any any infections, any virus, or anything. So, uh, so that in fact, there's a whole lumdus, there's a whole discussion in Rab Chaim and others whether there's such a thing as ritzicha b'shevi altasa. Can you murder someone b'shevi altasa? Right, mushlech alatino, is that called the murder? No, you're just the murder weapon, Rab Chaim said. Right, and the uh, and then the whoever's throwing you on the tinok is is the murderer. So, is there such thing as murder b'shevi altasa? I'm not sure, but if there is, that's how you do it. Right, meaning uh, to be a bone marrow match for someone, wait till they wipe out the recipient's uh, immune system and then say, I'm not giving it. I'm not, uh, I changed my mind. So, um, so anyway, this, this woman was a, uh, was a match and the timing was critical. So they called her and they told her that uh, they're scheduling the procedure for September 18th of that year. She looked on her calendar and she saw September 18th was Erev Yom Kippur. Erev Yom Kippur. So she wanted to know, so she said to them, look, can you do it like a week earlier? Can you maybe... Um, you know, uh, can we schedule the procedure a week earlier? Because she knew that if she spends eight hours in a hospital on Erev Yom Kippur, you know, uh, ha- having her blood, you know, the way they do it now is they don't actually take the bone marrow, they do it with stem cells. They uh, put a needle in this arm, a needle in that arm, and the blood comes out of one arm and goes through a machine, and then they take out all the magical stuff, and then it comes back in through through the other arm, and that's how they, uh, that's the scientific term. And they, and, 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 and she knew that it would be very difficult to fast, uh, if she were to do it on Erev Yom Kippur. So her shaila was, should she... So she asked them, can you do it a week earlier? So they said, uh, look, we could technically, if we have no other choice, do it a week earlier, but it's not, it's, it's not ideal. It would mean that we would have to... I, I've spoken to doctors afterwards to say this makes no sense, but this is what she reported, that uh, they said to her, we would have to freeze it and then just use it a week later, and there's nothing quite as good as the fresh stuff. That's what they told her. So her shaila was, should she donate bone marrow on a week earlier, when she'll be able to fast in Yom Kippur then? Should she do it on Erev Yom Kippur? And if she does it on Erev Yom Kippur, does she have to fast in Yom Kippur? Or should she fast on Yom Kippur? That was her shaila at that time, five years ago. Now it happens to be that it never happened, meaning it never came to fruition, because a few weeks before the procedure was going to happen, she developed a tooth infection, and that disqualifies her from being a, a, uh, a donor. So um, just from a simple tooth infection, that disqualified her. So she was, I don't know what happened with the recipient. If they found someone else with bone marrow, it's not so possible to find somebody else, but it disqualified her. So she didn't meet the medical criteria, and she couldn't, uh, she couldn't donate. Now, um, um, so that was that Shaila is a very special Shaila to me because that was one of only two times that I called Rav David Feinstein with a Shaila. I mean, a couple of times I saw him and asked him things, but that was the, the one of only two times in my life that I ever called Rav David Feinstein with a Shaila. Um, I called Rav David and um, and he said, I, you know, I was like very nervous. This seems like a serious Shaila, right? So uh, so first I called, you know, the guy that used to drive him places, you know. And he said, called me back, I'll have him in the car at this time. You know, that was the way it worked. So, um, so uh, Rav David said to me, I remember he said, he said, you don't have a, uh, one difficult shayla. You have two, two easy shaylas, and you're just putting them together to make one difficult shayla. I said, okay. And he said, uh, shayla number one is, should she donate a week earlier, or should she donate that week? And if you're telling me that it's a better chance of success if she donates that week on Erev Yom Kippur, of course she should donate on Erev Yom Kippur. Shaila number two is, is she sick enough to 
not have to fast in Yom Kippur. He's like, Rabbi. The Vice said, Rabbi, you pass in this Shiloh all the time. Meaning this is, he always pass it. That's, that's what rabbis do before Yom Kippur. You get all sorts of different pregnant women and nursing women and cholim and this and that. And you're always paskening uh, Shilohs about fasting in Yom Kippur. So he said, so paskin that Shiloh. You know, you'll see how sick she is and you'll paskin that Shiloh the way that, uh, that you should paskin the Shiloh. So it happens to be at the time, this is, uh, I'm going a little on, on tangent over here, but at the time I had called her doctor. Um, not her actual personal physician, but the doctor that was going to be doing the transplant uh, to find out like how dangerous it is to fast the day after you donate bone marrow. Um, and, uh, and the doctor said, the doctor was unhappy with the line of questioning. He said, look, Rabbi, I'm, I'm a Reformed Jew. And Reformed Jews believe that saving a life is more important than anything else. I'm like, oh, it's such a coincidence, because Orthodox Jews also believe that saving life is more important than anything else. And he said, no, you don't. He's like, just the fact that you're asking these questions. And I said, I'm not saying that she's not going to do it. I'm saying that I just want to know how dangerous it would be for her to fast after doing it. And he was like being very snobby with me. Um, and uh, so, so I did what I normally don't do, uh, which is I said, Really, because um, you know, when I donated bone marrow, um, and <laughs> like that totally changed his tune. <laughs> He's like, "What you, do, you know?" Like, yeah, when I when I did it, um, you know, we had a family simcha in Montreal uh, the next day, and I drove to Montreal the next morning, um, and like I was fine. I took a nap when I got to Montreal, but uh, you know, but I probably would have done that anyway. <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I was I was really fine. I just want to know. I said, you know, I wasn't planning on driving to Montreal, but my wife told me, you could go save the world or do whatever you want, but you are driving to Montreal the next day. So, uh, so I said, so, so I did, and uh, I, I just want to know if what happened to me is typical, because I wouldn't have had a problem fasting the day after my bone marrow donation. So, uh, so he, said, um, he said, yeah, the way you experienced it is like the way it would happen 90% of, of, of the time, 80, 90% of the time. Like really, eighty, ninety percent of people, of people's wives would make them drive to Montreal today. <laughs> so uh, he didn't laugh. He didn't think it was so funny. But <laughs> but uh, he. So anyway, Lemaisa, she she ended up not uh, not. But the only two times I've ever really spoken to this woman were when she was trying to save a life. Right? Uh, she was trying to save a life with with bone marrow. So this is it gives you a picture of the kind of person you're talking about. A highly motivated. Uh, potential donor, right? She's someone who very, very much wants to do this. This is something, because that's important also. I Meaning kidney donation is not an obligation, so it's something that like a person has to be highly motivated and really, really wants to do it in order to, uh, to do it. So uh, to, to just back up a step, the real question you have to start with is should she be doing this at all? I Meaning forget about uh, versus pruvu and having another child. Is this something that uh, she ought to be doing at all? So as you may know or may not know, there is a long history of uh, chuvas about kidney donation ever since they started doing it, ever since they started doing kidney transplants in like 1960 or something, uh, there, there have been chuvas written on the topic. Now the early chuvas, some of them said that it's usher to donate a kidney because there is a major discussion in postgame whether a person is allowed to put themselves in suffix sakana in order to, uh, to, to save somebody else's life. I, I think I saw in the new uh, Sefer that they put out in honor of Rav Shechter that one of the essays was on that topic. I don't remember who. Someone wrote an essay. I have the Sefer right here. 
Um, oh, here it is. First thing I look at. Wow, Hashkacha. Um, on Parsha Shemos, Rav Ezra Yair Schwartz, Rav Schwartz wrote uh, on the topic, Yimutr l'hachnes hasatzmo l'safik sakana l'hatzil chavero mi vaday sakana. And that was the shayla. Can you put yourself in suffix sakana by getting this major surgery where they take an organ out of your body in order to save somebody else from, uh, from vaday sakana? So that is a major discussion in the post. Gunnar Beis Yosef in Simen Tavcha Vav in Chosha Mishpat holds uh, in the name of Hagos Maimonio says that we have to risk our lives to save others. Um, and Reb Chaim held that way and Chavis Yoyer held that way. The Radvaz holds that someone who does that is a chassid shota, so uh, that it's a foolish thing to do. You're going to risk your own life to save somebody else's life. Uh, it's, uh, even though the other person's life is in vaday sakana, so in chassidzchak at the time paskind that you're not allowed to donate a kidney. Later on, Poskim started saying that for sure it's mutter, and and then they moved on to saying it's a really great thing to do. Uh, in Yechavadas, Chela Gimel, Ravad Yosef says, not an obligation, but a mitzvah, which is uh, the approach of Ramosha as well in Yardeya Chelek Beis, Simen Kuf Ayin Dalit. And then, even later on, more recently, Rav Asher Weiss, in the Minchas Osher, Chela Gimel, Simen Kuf Chav Gimel, Rav Asher, Rav Asher Weiss writes, Kasher Medubar B'Tshumas Moach Etzem, Shasakana L'Tarim Hikamat Afasit, he says, if you're a bone marrow match for someone, it's a chiv gummer. You got to do it because there's like zero sakana in being a bone marrow donor, and you're likely the person's only chance of survival. But benogeya l'trumat kliya lulei demistafina mechavrai havalibi nota shahayom chiv gummerhu. He says, had I not been afraid of the reaction I would get. Uh, Rav Asher says, I, I would probably say that nowadays it's a chiyuv gummer as well. However, he says, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's hard to say chiyuv gummer, but it's certainly a mitzvah gedola ma'od, and it's a uh, very great thing to do. And he writes that it's karov hadavar l'chiyuv mamish, and he says, u'meshabeach ani ma'od ma'ashari isi, Rav Asher says, I, I, I'm aware of the organization Renewal, essentially, and, uh, and I see that people are donating kidneys to people they don't even know, people that are not even family members of, their, of theirs, and that is Mesiris Nefesh on the highest level, and Rav Asher is a very, very big fan of the, uh, of the organization, whether it be Matnas Chayim in Eretz Yisrael, or whether it be Renewal here in Chutz Laaretz. So, okay, it's not a Chiyuv, but it's a, uh, a really, really great mitzvah. But the whole lumdus has to... So how did it go from Minchas Yitzchak saying it's Aser, to Ravadya saying it's a good thing, to Ravasher saying it's Karov L'chiv. How did, that, how did that happen? How did that develop? What changed? The, the science changed, right? The level of Sakana. That in, when the Minchas Yitzchak wrote his shuva in 1960, the way that they would do a uh, kidney transplant is they would tear open the, the donor, they would, uh, you know, chuck a few things out of his body, look for the kidney, ah, I got one, and then uh, without doing any testing to see if it's a match, they didn't even know how to test at the time, they would stick, they tested for like blood type, I think that was it, then they would, they would, uh, they would put it into the, uh, the recipient and say, okay, let's see if it works, and, uh, and, you know, and often it didn't work, sometimes it did work, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, now, now what do they do? Now they do everything laparoscopically. They'll make one two-inch incision on your belly button, 
they put it in a camera on the side, they put it in, they suck it right out, and then they put it in, they zip it right back up, and then they put it in, after you've been tested 15 ways, uh, you know, uh, to make sure that, uh, that, 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 that it's going to work, and then they put it in the, into the recipient, and it's a very, very high success rate. And someone who would have been on dialysis day in and day out, and ultimately would have died on dialysis, is now going to be able to function as a normal human being, won't have to be on dialysis, is going to be able to live a normal life. If you don't know what dialysis means, it's really bad. It's no life to be on dialysis. It's a really, really awful, awful uh, um, way for a person to live. And uh, it really gives a person uh, a person new life. And it extends their life in a very literal sense, usually by about 15 years, which is a significant life. Ex- they say that you're not allowed to call it life saving, it's life extending. Excuse me, everything's just life extending, right? No one, no one's here forever. Right? <laughs> Whatever you're going to do is life extending. Especially life extending for a day, life extending for a year, for 10 years, 15 years, for 70 years. Okay, but the kidney, it, it, it won't last forever in the other person. Typically, it will last about 15 years in the other person. Um, a kidney from a, kid, from, a, from a dead person will only last about five years, typically. So... Uh, you know, when people say, why, why do we need live kidney donation? Just let dead people give their kidneys. That's, that's not a good etza because it's not, nearly as, uh, it's not nearly as successful. Someone very close to me had a relative that, uh, that needed a kidney recently, and um, one of the doctors was pressuring them to just take the first dead kidney that comes. Take the first kidney. I said, I'm telling you, if you stick with renewal, you may have to wait another week or two or month after the dead kidney comes, but you can get 15 years out of it. You can get so much more out of it. But it's so frightening that you just want to sign up for whatever, whatever's going to come, whatever, uh, whatever might come your way. Thank God they found a live donor. It was an unbelievable... Uh, in, in really... I mean, again, for the family, it felt like forever, but it was like a month and a half, and they found the donor. Like, that's... And in, in the country at large, if you're waiting for a kidney... You wait about seven years um, because usually you'll die before you get one. Meaning, the five years survival rate on dialysis is less than fifty percent. So they wait till most of the patients die, and then whoever survives might get a kidney after a certain period of time. If you're a from Jew, you'll wait a few months. Meaning, uh, and even not a from Jew, if you're a Jew and you're 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 dealing with renewal, who has all of these volunteers that are donating kidneys, you'll wait several months and uh, and and get a kidney. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable thing. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that's happened, right? It could be that it will. La- I mean, it, it could be that it will last thirty years, but um, but in all likely, right? And and even then, uh, in all likelihood, this child will need more than one uh, kidney transplant. Who knows? By then, they might be able to go on a three D printer, print it out, and put it right into the right. Meaning uh, that's that that's where we're heading. I think that's where um, they might be able to take from pigs. They might be able to do all sorts of things. I remember when they, they a, a couple of months ago, there was a news story that they successfully transplanted a pig kidney into a person. They did it into a brain dead patient. What? No, no, they did a kidney also. And uh, they did it to a brain dead patient just to see, and it worked for a little bit and whatever. I mean, there was it was promising. There was something. No, maybe it wasn't a picking. Maybe it was a three D. I don't know. It was something. There was some. Uh, there was some uh, thing. There, there was some sort of advancement that was made. That the news story was that now there won't be a need for live donors anymore. Uh, not now, but like when this develops, when this technology develops. So on all the renewal chats, 
people, all the donors were saying, Baruch Hashem, we did the mitzvah while we still could, you know, instead, <laughs> instead of saying, oh, why did I do that, you know, um, but we're not, we're not there yet, meaning people are still going to die if they don't get kidneys, so we're not, we're not, the technology's not there yet, but anyway, so over time it developed and it became a much greater mitzvah, however, since the whole logic of saying that it would be problematic, is that you're not allowed to put yourself at Sakana, the question is, over here she's not going to put herself in Sakana, but she, she's going to be, in a certain sense, causing herself to not be able to um, uh, as easily have another child. So how much of a cheshbon should that be? So first of all, you have to figure out what does it mean not as easily have another child. And then you have to figure out, and what is her chiyuv to have another child? And, uh, and, and to what extent does she have to avoid any sort of... Um, any sort of sakana. So normally if a doctor, if your personal physician tells you something, you take it very, very seriously. This woman said, look, I know, I know what my doctor said, but the impression I got, and she didn't say these words, these are my words, but the impression she got was like, you know how when you speak to a non-religious doctor before Yom Kippur, and you know, like a pregnant woman will speak to a non-religious doctor before Yom Kippur and will say, should I fast in Yom Kippur? So a non-religious doctor, fasting in Yom Kippur doesn't mean anything to him. Um, uh, lawsuits mean a lot to him. So he'll say, um, you know, meaning maintaining the health of the pregnancy is the only thing. So why take any, any risk whatsoever? It could be that there's no evidence whatsoever that in a healthy pregnancy, fasting will be at all harmful. It could be, and there is no evidence whatsoever, by the way. It could be, the, but, but any doctor who doesn't care about you fasting is going to say, why would you do it? Why, why, would you fa- why would you do something like that? Why would you go a whole 24 hours, 25 hours without eating or drinking? That seems crazy. That seems like a nutty thing to do, right? So uh, she said she was getting the impression from her doctor that that's really what it was about. So uh, I said, you know what? I, I have friends who are OBGYNs. Um, and uh, let me call one. Let me call uh, my, my roommate from when I was here in, in yeshiva in, in YU is a very prominent OBGYN in the Teaneck uh, Englewood uh, area. And I said, you know what? He's a from guy. I trust him with everything. When my daughter-in-law was in labor, I had him you know, listening in on the room, looking at the monitors. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> don't tell. Um, <laughs> he's like texting me, "You're about to hear good news." <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so uh, I, I, I called him and I asked him, uh, you know, what what the story is, and he said that the woman is probably correct, that the doctor is simply trying to play it safe and avoid any potential increases in risk. Kidney donors can get pregnant and have good pregnancy outcomes. She will likely have some additional blood work during pregnancy to confirm normal function of her remaining kidney, but that should be about all, meaning she'll need a few more blood tests. Uh, and, that, and that's about it during, during pregnancy. And that's if she decides that she wants to have another child. Now also you have to take a step back and say, and what is her obligation to have another child? So. We know women are not obligated in Puruvu. Men are obligated in Puruvu. This woman has fulfilled Puru, I mean, uh, the husband has fulfilled Puruvu already. They already have five children, uh, some of each uh, gender. Now, the mitzvah of Puruvu is at least one boy, one girl. And then there's an additional mitzvah that uh, the Gemara Mitzvah tells us that that even if a person has child has children when they're young, they should continue to have children as they go on in life because... Um, that's an additional mitzvah to have more children. You don't know which child is going to. You don't know which child is going to give you the most nachas. It could be the ones that you have when you're uh, when you're older. 
So Rav Shachter understands that that mitzvah is a mitzvah to have one more boy and one more girl, which is a chiddush. I think uh, many other posts can assume that it just means keep going, just don't stop. Right, but he understands that just like that, it's patterned after the mitzvah puravu, and just like puravu is one boy, one girl, laravel tani is another boy, another girl. But then there's a third element, and that is ein ben David ba That the Gemara says the Mashiach is only going to come when all of the neshamos have been emptied out of uh, the box of neshamos in Shemayim. When Hashem turns over the box and sees that it's empty, then Mashiach's time to come. So only when enough neshamos have been sent into the world. So every time a person has a child, they're bringing Mashiach a little bit closer um, by, having, by having a child. So, uh, so the, the, but on the other hand, so that certainly is, uh, you know, she's bringing Mashiach, plus there's a mitzvah of Lashavas Yitzhara. Right, Kabbalah uh, to populate the world as much as one uh, as much as one can, um, and that a woman is obligated in. Right, when the Gemara talks about chatzy ben chorin, or chatzy, so it talks about uh, uh, how you have to, how Lisa he's not able to marry a shivcha because he's half ben chorin. Lisa baschorin and yachol because he's a chatzy so what do you do? You're kofinus rabo. The uh, you force. This is one of the mishnayos and idios where the chazur beis hilah lahoros kedivir beis Right? That uh, they ultimately were moda. That the best thing to do is to fr- that the remaining master should free him so that he'll be the person will be a total ben chorin. And that way l'shevus yitzar because you can't have because uh, levatel in yachol. You can't uh, you can't be mevatel because l'shevus yitzar. So the rishonim asks the kasha. Why mention l'shevus yitzar? Why not say puravu? So one of the answers that's given is because. Puravu is only a man's mitzvah. The Shavas Yitzhar is a woman's mitzvah also. So there's definitely a mitzvah to have children, even if you've already been Makayim the mitzvah. Meaning, even though it may not be a chiv anymore, or for a woman it may have never been a chiv, there's definitely a mitzvah to have children. But you know what else there's a mitzvah to do? To save a life of an existing person. That's also a mitzvah. So just to be sure, I asked her, I said, um, is this going to make your decision as to whether to have... She said she wasn't sure whether she was going to have another child or not. I said, is this going to make your decision? By, by donating kidney, are you now going to decide not to have another child? Um, and by not donating, is that going to mean that you will have another child? She said, no way. It's going to have nothing to do with my decision. She said, I believe if, uh, uh, that, that if I do this mitzvah, will protect my pregnancy, and that uh, you know, as long as I'm careful and I do the right thing, uh, this will not impact my decision uh, whatsoever. So then I didn't really see a shayla anymore. I thought, uh, you know, again, no one, you can't ever tell someone that they're obligated to donate a kidney because no one's obligated to donate a kidney. Why should she be more obligated? Now, the other factor over here to take into account is that one of the reasons that kidney donation is not an obligation is because if you don't donate, someone else will. Meaning in most, as long as enough people do it, as long as there are enough people in the pipeline, and thank God the firm community has really stepped up in, in this area, I'm on the email list, so I get every day, I get in my WhatsApp or an email, another donor, another two donors today, another, you know, their kidney surgery is happening all the time, so if, if, if a particular person doesn't donate, they'll likely find another match for that person. However, this is a one-year-old child, and where that matters is that I couldn't donate a kidney to a one-year-old child, because my kidney's too big for a one-year-old child. It has to be a woman 
It has to be a petite woman under a certain weight. I don't know what the weight is exactly, something like 110 pounds or something. It has to be a very small person that donates a kidney to a one-year-old child. So the chance of finding another match for that child are not as great as the chances of finding another match for other people. On the other hand, there are some people that will line up to donate for a one-year-old child that are not so eager to donate for an 80-year-old man, right? Meaning, the, the, so, so it does balance out somewhat, but uh, so you can never tell someone that they're obligated to. So I didn't say you're obligated to, but I said that I don't think you should have any hesitation if that's what you want to do. I then, this is st- the story is still in the works. She hasn't yet done anything. I mean, I, uh, I followed up with her the other day, and I said, I'm just curious what your decision was. You know, just in case I decide to give a share on it. And she said, I'm going ahead with further testing in order to try to donate. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully we'll be with Hatzlacha and they'll be able to save a child's life. Okay, have a great Shabbos, everybody. Yeah.